One spring break, a couple and their two young children made a trip to the Grand Canyon. They had no words, truly, to be able to describe what they experienced. Awe, a timelessness, grandeur. It was the world at its most perfect. They felt humbled by the immensity of it all, but also grateful that they were a small part of this great cosmos that God had set into motion. So very beautiful. Then they came home. Their first morning back, Mom bit into a piece of toast, and her filling fell out. Later, she received a call that her mother had a bad fall and was in the hospital. With the phone still in her ear, she walked into the kitchen and saw water pouring out of the pipe below the sink. Then her daughter called called from her room upstairs. Mom, the toilet's overflowing. When she got to her office, she discovered her organization's website had gone down. And after several phone calls, she discovered the domain name had also lapsed. All that in one morning. Less than 24 hours earlier, they had been standing before the magnificence of the Grand Canyon. Later that day, after the plumber left, Mom sat down and breathed a sigh of relief. Mom is Rabbi Naomi Levy. In her book, Hope Will Find You, Hope Will Find You, she reflects on what that 24-hour plunge from God's grandeur to the harsh reality had taught her. And I quote from her book. It's so much easier to be holy on a mountaintop than it is to be holy in the daily grind of life, in the little and not-so-little crises of life. The scripture, she writes, asks us to be holy living in this world. It asks us to honor our parents, to care for those who are weak, to love one another, to be honest in business. Yes, an ordinary day is filled with all sorts of challenges and confrontations and certainly lots of disappointments. We can allow all of these setbacks to stop us in our tracks. We can allow them to shake us or perhaps we can begin to look at them as opportunities for living a holy life. See, that, Naomi Levy says, is the challenge of people of faith, to find holiness in the ordinariness of each day, and to find holiness in oftentimes this broken, breathtaking world. See, I think in truth, it's the very same challenge that John the Baptist preaches in today's gospel passage. To discover the love of God, not in cathedrals, but in our own homes. To welcome the Messiah into our own Galilees, not with great rituals of devotion, but with simple justice, and charity to others 
to transform the world in holiness, not by a revolution, but by treating one another with respect and with dignity. See, I've always truly loved this gospel with John the Baptist. There are these three groups of people who come, and they all wonder, what should we do? How often in your life have you asked yourself, what am I supposed to do? I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. So John has been baptizing, inviting them to change their lives. So they all approach him with this question, what do we do? The last of those three groups are the soldiers, the Roman soldiers. And he simply says, don't practice extortion. He doesn't tell them, go find a new job. He doesn't tell them that their lives are miserable and they're miserable in themselves. He doesn't ask them to do anything extraordinary. Basically, his response is, just do your job. Just do what you're supposed to do. The tax collectors were that middle group who approached him. They, of course, mostly were Jews, but lived oftentimes more like Gentiles. And, of course, to this day, they still aren't the most favored people in our society. What should we do, the tax collectors ask? And he just says, stop collecting more than you're entitled to. Again, doesn't reprimand them. He says nothing about their lifestyles or nothing about their faith. Again, he simply invites them, be fair, be honest. And that first group were all those faithful Jews. We go to the temple, we pay the tax, we do all the things we're supposed to do. So what do you want us to do? And his response is, of course, to live with one another as family, you might say. To treat one another as you yourself want to be treated. You have two coats. And give one to someone who has none. He just invites people simply to do what they're called to do, nothing more. You've heard so many of my stories about my dad, and I probably like this gospel because, in truth, it always reminds me of my dad as we were growing up, because repeatedly, Repeatedly, he would say to us, if we were comparing ourselves or asking why that person was doing something, and he would always come with his same response. Mind your business. Do what you're supposed to do. You know, as a little kid, I didn't really like that phraseology. I wanted something a little more interesting. I wanted to kind of catch him and see if he could open up the situation for me and give me some dramatic reading on how people live their lives. But he always just focused right back to my life. If you're a spouse, 
live as a spouse faithfully does. You're a student, be a good student. You're a priest, be a faithful and a good priest. You're a child, be a good, conscientious child. You're a grandparent, love those grandchildren. Love them beyond words. See, why is it that we're always somehow thinking that God wants something extraordinary from us? He simply, on this third Sunday when the light is a bit brighter, he's simply inviting us, just be who you are and be faithful to who you are. You don't need you don't need to put on something else. You don't need to do something else. Be faithful to who you are. And what someone else is doing, hear your dad, my dad's voice in your head. Mind your business. Are you doing what you need to do? Are you the person? Are you faithful to the person whom you know God called and created you to be? So don't worry about adding on extra time of prayer. Don't give up a meal or give up candy or some other self-inflicted sacrifice. Be fair. Be honest. Be genuine, be authentic, live your life with integrity. And the rest, the rest will all take care of itself. From the very baptism initiated by John, we are called to be witnesses of God's love. Always a witness, not by our words but by our actions. It's the witness of our love that we extend one to another. For we are called to be the precursors of his justice by our unfailing commitment to what is right and good for others. We're called, called to be the very reflection of the light of God's Christ, to be a light in the midst of forgiveness, mercy, and compassion for one another. We're called to imitate the very example of Jesus the servant in our own humble, yet on this third Sunday of Advent, the church invites us to do that which we do with a joy-filled understanding. A joy-filled understanding that God comes to save you to save me, not to condemn us, not to abandon us, not even to somehow punish us. He comes to love us. And the only response he asks is that we love in return.